some time this month talking about generosity. Now, the last time we did this was actually May of 2017. I went back through, through my notes. I thought we'd done it in July, but no, we didn't. We did it in May uh, 2017. Uh, I'm not going to go over all the same points I did back then. Uh, it probably wouldn't be all that boring for you, but it would be for me. <laughs> you don't want me to go sleep halfway through a discussion point, do you? <laughs> um, obviously, I will, I will use some of that material, but I, um, there, are, there are many, many ways in which we can approach the whole issue of generosity. And I think it's important enough for us to spend a little bit of time working through a number of issues associated with the whole concept of generosity in the Christian life. Last week we had uh, Mark Corrier who did an extended uh, communion message and uh, as I mentioned last week I've known Mark and his family for about 10 years now and uh, he's got a, a, a real depth of knowledge and of understanding of the Word of God and, and last week he shared with us about the idea of communion being celebration, a celebration of all that God did for us through Jesus Christ. And uh, you might recall that he mentioned that often as soon as we say communion, the whole church goes quiet. And uh, if you've been brought up, say, as an Anglican or Catholic, um, I was brought up Anglican. I used to go uh, to church three times on a Sunday. I'd do communion at 7am and at 9.30am and then an even song service in the evening and I'd often take communion during the week. They used to have a, a service on a Thursday morning and I'd often go down before school and do that. And you see the focus there is always on, on sin, repentance and the horror of the cross. And when, when you focus on those things, you do go a bit quiet. But you see, God never intended us actually to live our lives at the cross. And I know that You'll often hear people say that, but you see, we're actually post-resurrection Christians. We live in a post-resurrection age, not a cross age. And the reason why we can celebrate is that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And that, in a sense, was the full stop. Everything that Jesus came to earth to achieve was fully achieved. As you know, he said from the cross, it is finished. And as if there was any proof needed, he rose again on the third day by the power of God and defeated death for all humanity and for all time. And so when Jesus said to his disciples, do this in remembrance of me, when we think on that, we are reminded of the benefits of his victory over sin. We're also reminded about the ultimate generosity extended to humanity. How could there ever be an act more generous than God 
sacrificing his own son to make him suffer as we ought to suffer. To make him suffer on our behalf that we do not have to suffer the wrath of God for sin. This passage from the Bible, John 3.16, is probably one of the most quoted Bible passages. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We could actually spend a month just on this verse alone. The Greek word used for love in that particular passage is agapeo and it actually appears as a verb in the Greek text. And it, it conveys meanings of unconditional love, an act of the will of God, and unconquerable benevolence. It's not a kind of wishy-washy romantic concept of love at all. The Greek word agapeo is very similar to the Hebrew chesed. I won't try and say that again. It's spelled C-H-E-S-E-D. Well, it's alliterated in that way. C-H-E-S-E-D. And it means literally loving kindness. So it was the loving kindness of God that led him to sacrifice his son so that we might not perish, that we might not suffer death because of sin, but that we might enter into everlasting life. So we relate to a generous God. And this I want us to remember for the remaining weeks of this month as we focus on generosity in our discussion points. I want to turn now to the subject of tithing because it's a big thing in Pentecostal and Evangelical churches. It was a big thing in the early church. In fact, right up until at least the Reformation, uh, tithing was commonly practiced in the church, which then, of course, was the Catholic Church, the worldwide Christian church. It was commonly practiced, but it ceased to be so. And I think the Reformation was one of the, the turning points. And it really wasn't until probably about midway through the 19th century, so we're talking about around 1850, 1860, when tithing again became something that was preached about and, and practiced. In uh, a lot of Pentecostal churches and evangelical churches, we devote 10 or 15 minutes in every, every service to what they call these days the, the giving message. If you, you have a look at the run sheet, it'll say giving message and somebody will be assigned uh, to the giving message. You go to a lot of church conferences and they'll have a pastor up who will lead this so-called giving message. Now look, I, I'm not going to stand here and be critical of other churches 
I think we need to, and, and you'll see what I mean by this, we need to be led by the Holy Spirit in the area of giving. And, and I'm going to explain this in significant detail because I don't want us to get caught up in giving as law or religious practice. I've done giving messages, I've done giving <coughs> messages uh, for years, having been asked to by pastors uh, at churches that I've been involved in. Uh, when we had the, the privilege and sort of rose to the challenge of establishing Ignite Life Church, David, Ainsley, Jeanette and I, who were at that time, that's all there was at Ignite Life Church, we spent a lot of time praying and, and thinking and just talking about how we would approach the whole issue of tithing, offering, you know, money and giving. And uh, we, we felt that we didn't want to follow that normal practice. It's fairly normal practice in, in, in most Pentecostal and Evangelical churches today. Now, it wasn't because we didn't want the money. Obviously, we don't have enough money between us to, to sustain a church, so we simply wouldn't be here if uh, we were the only ones who, who were giving. But what we, we came to understand is that the, the Christian, the New Testament follower of Jesus Christ, is a generous person. You see, the Bible explains to us that we're made in the image of God. And uh, if we're made in the image of God, then there must be something about our very nature, the core of what it actually is to be a human, human being, that is God-like. And there are many elements of that, one of which is generosity. Because God so loved the world that he undertook the most generous act ever recorded in the whole of human history. And I believe, and I will share this in more detail in the coming weeks, that we cannot be fulfilled as human beings unless we exercise the capacity that God has placed in us to be generous. And I can actually show you research by economists that proves that generosity is one of the factors that causes happiness. Right? Giving stuff away makes people happy. So if you're on a, on a quest for happiness, think about how generosity might contribute to your happiness. If you're looking for some kind of doctrinal basis as to why it was we decided that we didn't want to focus on a giving message in every service and, and pass bags or buckets around or whatever it was, it's because we believe sincerely that giving is a matter of the heart. It's a spiritual thing, not, if you like, a soul thing. And I have sat through many, many giving messages which are really directed at our soul. In other words, they are designed to stir up an emotion in us. And in that state of heightened 
emotion, we know people give more. It's not hard to prove. And I could probably learn how to do it. But, for us, we actually believe it's much better to teach and hopefully live a lifestyle of generosity. And also to encourage you not to make a decision to give on a regular basis to Ignite Life Church or indeed into this special offering that we're taking up uh, through ACC Queensland and Northern Territory to assist folk in Northern Queensland. <coughs> we would much prefer to do without some things but be more confident that the decisions you make about giving actually are decisions of the heart. So for us here at Ignite Life Church, and I'm not saying anything prescriptive about other churches, we strongly desire that the decision be a decision that is guided by the Holy Spirit's activity in your life. I believe, and of course, to some extent, I'm influenced by the fact that professionally, my, my background is economics. I teach economics. I write about economics. I write, uh, I read about economics. One of the things that uh, strikes me is, you know, you talk to a lot of people, and one of the things that keeps people out of church is they're frightened <coughs> that the church just wants their money. And it wouldn't surprise me if some of you know people They've actually said that. I'm not going to church because if I do, they'll just want my money. And it's interesting that uh, some research which was done uh, in Australia by uh, Mark McCrindle's research organisation, and Mark McCrindle himself is a Christian. They did a survey 2016, so it's fairly recent. And uh, one of the questions that was asked was whether... Money is a negative influence on their perceptions of Christians and Christianity. And 36% uh, said it's, it's massive. It's a major blocker to them having anything to do with the Christian church. That's well over a third. And then for another quarter, it's a significant blocker. So for... Um, 61%, that's getting mighty close to two-thirds of the population in Australia. The money thing keeps them away from church. <coughs> wow. Only 15% really couldn't care less about the money aspect. Now here's another piece of data, and I'd have to say this really, really shocked me. But it's, um, again, it's based on a survey. Look at this. The average churchgoer in Australia gives away just 0.7% of their income. Not even 1%. And that's to church, to charities, to other, uh, you know, good works. 0.7%. So... Even if we were to do something like include a giving message every time we met, gee, you're pretty quiet today. <laughs> but this is a really serious topic. But even, even if we had a message, on the whole, 
it's not going to make him more generous. So it's not going to make you more like God in the way in which you actually outwork your Christian faith. Uh, there's a quote there from Joshua Crowther, who he works for a company called Dunham and Company, which they're actually a fundraising company. They do a lot of work with charities and churches. This is what he says. Imagine if 3 million regular church attenders gave the baseline 10%. On the back of a napkin, I worked out it would equate to more than $18 billion to fulfill the Great Commission and see the <coughs> Kingdom of God extend in this nation and beyond. So, and I've, I've said this in many uh, venues before, that the issue isn't that people who go to church are poor or anything like that. The issue is actually that people who go to church are not generous. And uh, you'll find even in the largest Pentecostal churches that major on giving a tiny core of the church actually give. I heard from Andrew Denton who heads up the Hillsong Foundation. Now there are something like 400,000 people I think who attend Hillsong congregations. There's only 400 actually at the core who really do the heavy lifting when it actually comes to giving. So, giving is not actually a big thing in the church, despite the fact that we tend to speak a lot about it. What I'd like to do, I'm going to come back to tithing, uh, maybe not next week, but the week after, because I, I do want to go through uh, many of the arguments that are put in terms of tithing today. So I know a church, for example, that teaches if you don't tithe, you go to hell. Now, that's heretical, but I know a church. I know a person I used to work with, actually, goes to that church. Um, don't worry, there are some people who believe that if you don't go to church on Saturday, you'll go to hell. Um, so there are a lot of ideas out there that tend to um, totally ignore the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Good people who have, I guess, come off the rails. But what I'd like to do now is to just raise a couple of principles with you. Now, I had actually prepared this before we got the email from the ACC office to... Um, let us know about the, the special offering. The, the general context here is not tithing. The general context here is not even the institutional church Sunday to Sunday. And um, if I could just take a little diversion. I have done a lot of research um, to underpin what I'm saying uh, this week and in the coming weeks. I have read countless commentaries and, and I'd have to tell you that I feel uneasy about the way in which many, many people use scripture to justify Sunday morning giving in church. I want to say that the material I'm quoting from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, the context there is specifically an offering being taken up for suffering Christians in another geographical location. 
something like what we're doing today for the victims of the North Queensland flooding. You see, Paul here was writing about the relationship between the spirit and generosity in connection with giving for a specific cause. So I just want you to understand that context. Next week, I'm going to speak specifically about giving in the context of the local church. But my point here is to emphasize the fact that we're intended to live generous lives, but also when we come to give, we need to be directed by the Holy Spirit because it's a spiritual act, not an act of the soul. Obviously, the soul has got to come into line with the spirit, but it is a spiritual act. So, in part, this is what Paul says in uh, 2 Corinthians. So, he's writing to the Christians in Corinth. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand that it may be ready as a matter of generosity. He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Why generous? Because generous is the nature of God. So everything we do in the Christian life is supposed to reflect who we are as bearers or, or image bearers of, of God. We're made in His image and God is a generous God. Then we too are to be generous. We actually say in the, the little values statement for Ignite Life Church that generosity is as natural to the Christian as breathing. That it's part of who we are. It's driven by the Holy Spirit. Paul goes on, of course, to note that he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And uh, that clearly is a reference to nature. And uh, in that culture, which was a strongly agrarian culture, people would have understood what sowing and reaping were about. Back then, of course, they sowed from a bag. If you were right-handed, you'd have a bag slung over your right shoulder that would hang down on the left-hand side. You'd put your hand into the bag, you'd take a handful of grain, and you would broadcast it like that. Now, clearly, if you only throw out a little seed, ultimately, you're only going to get a little harvest. So he's, he's, there's a principle here. Now what, what Paul is not saying is that you've got to give a lot. He's not saying that at all. What he's saying is you need to be generous because to be generous is to be like God, but you need also to understand there is a principle at work that says so sparingly, so too you will reap. And you'll see that this metaphor is actually used quite a lot in the Bible. And you can go all the way back to God's interaction with Noah after the flood and you'll find reference to sowing and reaping throughout the Word of God. But you see, I can stand up here 
and emotionally convict you that if you don't sow generously, you're going to not reap generously. I don't believe Paul ever intended it to be used as a stick to beat people around their head with, or to beat them around their left pocket where their wallet is, or whatever, right? But all he was doing was reminding people that there is a principle in the kingdom of God that works a little like nature works itself. You sow just a few seeds, you won't get a big harvest. So, this is not, I guess for me, I'm not saying don't give at all, and obviously for practical reasons, if, if you weren't already giving, we simply would not be here. But I've heard these scriptures, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 is a very good chapter on understanding the principles of generosity and of giving. But the whole context is actually giving to a group of other Christians who are doing it tough. And a lot of people will just take verses like these out and they will apply it to this context. You know, I might get into a lot of trouble here because as far as I know, I'm the only person who feels really uncomfortable about using these scriptures in the context of Sunday the Sunday giving in the church. But next week, this will make you all come next week of course, um, next week what I really want to focus on is the scriptural basis for giving in the context of the local church. Yes, there are principles here. Principle of generosity, principle of sowing and reaping. But I don't think we can just use these scriptures as a solid basis for understanding why it is that God would want us to use the local church as ground in which to sow. But I do want to address that when we get together next week. So it's great to have everybody here today. I, uh, as I mentioned, next week I'm going to talk on what Paul says about supporting the local... And of course, you know what the answer is, don't you? Yes, of course you should support the local church, but I'm going to explain all that in about 35 minutes. <laughs> okay, so it's been great to have everybody here. I've been actually sitting here thinking, why is it so dark in here? Because I just realised that nobody switched the, <laughs> the lights on. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh my goodness, it's... Hey? I'm under the spotlight. <laughs> it's Evangeline who likes the spotlights, let me tell you. <laughs> anyway, so there's something to think about uh, just in terms of, uh, of the coming weeks. Of that, that It's really important that the decision that you make about giving is a decision that is guided by the Holy Spirit. It's a decision of the heart, not the emotions. It's not. I, I would hate to think that I shamed or convicted anybody into giving. It really has to be a transaction that is placed on your heart by God.